Banner, you were telling me before we hit record that you were away from t- Twitter and the internet this weekend. Always good. Always good to have a break from that. First of all, how was how was that break? Feeling healthy, feeling rested. Got about 11 hours of sleep Saturday to Sunday. Got a good seven or so Friday night, although I stayed up till about four in the morning. So nonetheless, ate a lot of fast food, fell asleep before dinner last night, woke up at about 3.45 with a major headache, mm. went back to sleep for another, I don't know, five hours or so. Wow. Feeling great. Feeling say, great. But it's like, that makes you feel healthy? Like, that was the <laughs> that was the sequence of events. You're like, I'm feeling good now. Well, I got my vitamin D. We went out on there the lake go. or the river, whatever that is, out there in Ohatchee near Gadsden. So I got some sun, um, got some sleep, got a lot of jacks, some Mexican food, and some McDonald's. There you go. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was worthwhile. And yes, I stayed off the internet. Jacks, hit us up. Give us Please. A, yeah, give, uh, give us that sponsorship. They gave me a chicken bit. Well, they didn't give it to me. I purchased mm-hmm. it. And I can't tell if I should be pleased about this. If the bread was too small or if the... Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, you like that, did Oh, I love that. The cherry Dr. P. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or if the bread was too small or the chicken was too big. But either way... I think their sandwiches, like the chicken they put on it, were just... Massive. Like monsters. So... It's good that you had that time time this weekend, but I wanted to... It had been so long since I'd had any personal time. Right. And I wanted to establish that you hadn't been on the internet this weekend, so I don't know if you had discovered this or made this connection yet. I don't know around what time it was that this came out. But, Painter, we're going to talk a lot in today's podcast about Auburn's new commitments and transfer Um that Auburn football has picked up since our last podcast because we talked about the last podcast, the premium one. We were saying, "Hey, hold on, there might be some stuff coming around the bend." Um, the you know Alex McPherson commits while we were recording. We've got a couple more we'll talk about today, and of course the transfer pickup that will lead it off. But I wanted to make this the opening here because I want to do a callback of sorts, and I don't know if this was a callback necessary. I think it was to a podcast we did on here. Uh, by the way, this is our 90th podcast, which is kind of crazy to think about. But, um, Painter, were you aware that Demetrius Robertson, New Auburn wide receiver from Georgia, was the hero who took the parking boot off at Georgia? And yes. Got, yeah. Okay. So incredible. That was shout brought, out to the AJC. Yeah, brought back to our attention by the folks at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. You may remember them for a number of bad reporting incidents, but most recently the thing that sticks out to my mind besides that clickbait about Demetrius, Demetrius Robertson, yeah. would be them talking about was it Colt Brennan who recently passed? Oh, and yeah. they decided that it would be best to title that quarterback who, who lost, lost to Georgia. In Georgia. It's like, "Huh. Yeah, that's really underlining this guy's life right. and legacy. Good work." Yeah. So it's a story that's kind of reminding everyone that Demetrius Robertson still has felony charges, which, come on. I mean, there was apparently a misdemeanor charge that was settled or, or with it, but he, he had a parking boot. He went and got it taken off. I'm apparently that's honest. enough for a felony card. Uh, yeah, interference with government property is a felony in the state of Georgia. It probably is everywhere, but I just wanted to bring that up. The felony charges stem from an incident in early February in which Robertson's 2017 Dodge Charger was booted by UGA parking officials for illegally parking in an East Campus deck. Robertson is accused of removing the tower from his vehicle and then having the wheel clamp removed uh, at a location in Henry County. 
Robertson faced a similar uh, misdemeanor theft charge for stealing the boot, which is kind of funny. It's like, hey, we want that back. <laughs> sir, sir, we want, sir, sir, we want our boot back. Um, wonder what he did with it. And then the, most of the rest of the story is just like, it's it's not clear that he would even have been able to play at Georgia this year if he had stayed. There's it's not even clear if uh, if Auburn would have even will Auburn even let him play. Which okay, whatever. Um, but I I wanted to bring that up because a some people may point that out and say, oh look, uh, you know somebody who's run afoul of the law coming to Auburn again. Some people may do that. That's that's a that's a small minded view of it. What we believe on the show is this man right here, Demetrius Robertson, for before even taking a snap of football at Auburn, he is a man of the people because he the he people. took on par- parking services at Georgia and said, "All right, we're going to take care of this. We are going to take care of this issue." Um, so, Demetrius Robertson, big time pickup for Auburn's wide receiver group, gives him a lot of uh, uh, of, of experience, and we'll talk a lot about you know his on field contributions later on in this in this podcast but the first things first here painter parking services at auburn university you have been put on notice it's not getting any easier for my man when he comes here i don't know what the parking situation is at georgia i'm confident based on this story it's not great yeah uh but it certainly isn't any better at auburn i would imagine you better watch out don't bring any boots around here man he's going to he's going to take care of it he is going to take care of it i'm gonna take care of the boot seriously though like there's a there's a line of people in sports writing and reporting that feel like it's like absolutely necessary to keep track of a lot of this stuff or like make a big deal of it. I of guess course. I mean it's news. I guess if guys get arrested, really, but like if it's a nonviolent crime like this one is, it's like I think it always gets kind of overblown. Oh, I'm sure that there are media members who've done no wrong and never made a decision when they were young and in college that yeah. they would want to have back. Well, it's just like guys getting pulled over for stuff. I mean, we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen from guys who played in Georgia who went later on what later the on. The AJC reports on those is. Uh as thoroughly as they like to do these types of incidents it's, when they're on, on the way out of Georgia and to, let's say, a school like Auburn. Yeah, it's but it's like, it was hilarious that that got brought up again. Um, but It was I, important. It was a story and a detail that we all needed to be reminded of because, congratulations, that is a power move. But it's like, are you going to like try to make him look bad on that? Because like, I think most people You're making look me at like it. him more. <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of Haven't people... we all felt like, you know, bleep? The parking people, right, and also the schools that don't create enough of a parking situation for people. Like I don't, I don't care. And the amount of things that football players do, and it's like, well, that you know, a coach will cover it up for them. It's like we're going to worry about this one. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to fret over that. I, I, I just think this makes Auburn's pickup of Demetri Robertson even better. I mean, you're taking, you got a guy, you've got a guy who's willing to take on the system. He's trying to bring. He's trying to bring the man down. I, I'm. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Demetrius Robertson is is tap for success right here. Just don't bring any parking boots around here. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here. Painter Sharpless also here. Painter, how are you? Good as it's going to get. Good as it's going to get. It's uh, it's it's Sunday afternoon. We're recording this. We're going to try to get this out to you guys by the evening. Um, 
Is it okay to say good as it's going to get? I know that there are some people believe the only answers that are acceptable to that question question in polite society are fine or good mm. or well, I guess. Fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that too long of an answer when someone gives you a stock sort of, uh, like how the, are you? I like the, yeah, I like the, the, um, non-traditional answers like that one. Cause I mean, that's, that's pretty good. And I think that describes most of us in our day-to-day <laughs> lives. Like it's like, you know, probably not doing great. Hopefully you're not doing badly. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, life is made up of a lot of average <laughs> time. I mean, you got to think about it in the scope of your life. Like you most of your time is going to be spent just kind of middle of the road. So, um, hopefully that this podcast will not be middle of the road. If, if, if it is, it's better than being bad. Blame for yeah, yeah. Blame me, blame me for that. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, a little bit later than usual, but you know we'll get it out here. We'll get it out there to you. Um, we've got a lot of Auburn football to talk about because, uh, as we alluded to earlier, a lot of recruiting kind of angst, anxiety kind of building up about about Auburn about Auburn football recruiting. The last time we did a podcast, and in the time since then, you know, while we were recording the podcast, they pick up the commitment from kicker uh, Alex McPherson, which we talked a little bit about in the premium podcast for our subscribers. And then they get uh, the addition of Micah Riley Ducker, uh, the tight end from Nebraska, who I wrote about last week. We'll go into that a little bit more. Uh, they pick up Caleb uh, Wooden, Colby Wooden's little brother, which I think is a really cool uh, story there in, a, in addition, and we'll get into some of the details of that. But the big one, and the one we're going to start with here, uh, is Demetrius Robertson, uh, the former the headliner Georgia uh, wide receiver, former Cal wide receiver. Best uh, year was at Cal, right? Hmm? His best year was at Cal. Yeah, as a, a freshman, freshman All American at Cal. He was a five star um, that turned down the dogs originally to go out west to California. He has a fantastic first year at Cal. Like I said, freshman All American in that bear raid offense that they ran out there. <laughs> I am curious to see how this works out because I was so positive that when he got to Georgia, he was going to instantly yeah. bolster their receiving core. And I think he had one season where he had a little over 300 yards, mm-hmm. but for the most part, 2019, really, he was their third best receiver. It has not particularly worked out for a guy that was a five star number and, one receiver in the country. And I guess you can chalk some of that up to the fact that a team like Georgia is stocked with talent. So breaking out can be difficult, but also, I, I hope he does have that season that I always expected him to have in Athens um, this year. Yeah, and there's several reasons for that. you got to look at with, with Demetrius Robertson. Um, he goes to Cal, has that first season. That second season at Cal, Robertson uh, has, a, has an injury um, early in the season after the second game, second game of the year. You know, had decent numbers against North Carolina and then Weber State. Didn't play for the rest of the year. He gets homesick all the way out there in California during that recovery process. Cal not necessarily up firing on all cylinders as a program during that time. He transfers back to Georgia, uh, sits out the 2018 season, 2019 season, uh, misses, um, you know, m- misses a game um, that year. Had a couple other games where he didn't really play quite as much. But uh, Demetrius Robertson has that big season, like you said, at Cal. His second season, he gets hurt. Uh, second game of the year, uh, suffers an injury uh, against uh, Weber State and is out for the rest of the year. He gets homesick. He transfers to Georgia. He's cleared to play immediately at Georgia in 2018. However, however, 
He does not catch a ball the whole season. He gets a couple of carries, I think, in 2018. 2019, he starts four games, regular player, third on the team for Georgia in receiving behind uh, behind George Pickens, who I think every Auburn fan is pretty pretty aware of at this point, um, and, uh, and Lawrence Cager, the transfer from Miami. Uh, last season, 2020, um, Robertson plays in all the games. They had a few where you didn't even really see him catch the ball. Some games he didn't really have he really get targeted as much. Kind of got passed up by Kyrus Jackson, who had a, had a breakout year. Jermaine Burton, who had a, had a good freshman season. They were getting the ball to guys like Darnell Washington a little bit more. Uh, the freshman tied in. James Cook uh, being heavily involved in the passing game as a running back. And so he kind of fell in the packing order. Has a chance to come back for one more year. A lot of people thought it was going to be back at Georgia. He's coming to Auburn. Um, the thing here with with Demetrius Robertson uh, is, is pretty incredible, and there's some actually some numbers I want to uh, I, I want to I want to dig into here real quick. If I go pull them out here on the side, um, but Painter, your initial reaction to hearing okay Auburn's getting another another SEC player. It is a guy from Georgia, and like you were saying earlier, a guy who had a lot of a uh, a lot of uh, hype coming out of high school. He's the number one receiver in the country. I'm curious to see what he can do like in a full season where he's likely the number one receiver. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. He does fill an immediate need, which is that the thing we've talked about all offseason with the receiving core. Everybody is new and inexperienced, right. at least new into some form of a role. Like you might have guys who played a few snaps or a guy like Shedrick Jackson who played a lot of snaps but mm-hmm. hasn't been a primary receiving option. Tempering expectations, given that it's not like he's – been just this all-star and something we've talked about before is that when you have former highly rated guys in the portal it's often because they're not contributing a lot and I think you can say that was the case also I think you can say there's some real potential given his skill set to be a valuable addition for a receiver room that doesn't have Anyone that I think just stands out right now is like, all right, he's going to be the guy to lean on. That 2018 season, I was reading some stories going back to that 2018 season. He said and admitted like, hey, I wasn't that big of a – like I, I didn't have that much of a role in 2018 because I wasn't ready. Um, I had – I think he said I, he had taken a couple months off recovering from that injury. It took him a while to get back up to full speed. I think Kirby Smart said he needed to physically get ready to play at the SEC level, and that's why in 18 you didn't see him – play as much if hardly at all 19 you saw him play a little bit more but the thing here is here at georgia and it's it's one of those things it's one of those things there is that you know georgia recruits at such a high level that if you are not firing on all cylinders they will find somebody to pass you up because they recruit really really well last season like i said karis jackson stepping up as a sophomore um and uh jermaine burton having a big season as well for them uh for for you know for the Bulldogs, along with George Pickens, having a strong second season as well for for Georgia. Um, so I think he's stepping into a completely different situation. He comes back to Auburn this season, right? Or he goes back to Georgia this season. I mean, you're looking at him probably the fourth, fifth best receiver on that team. Auburn, you have an opportunity right away. This is your last chance. If you go somewhere that can give you more targets, more opportunities, who knows? Maybe he'll have a shot to make it to the NFL because he's got talent. I mean, his freshman year at Cal, he was really, really good. Very fast receiver, uh, six feet tall. I mean, he's going to be kind of your 
played some slot and so on the outside, kind of go back and forth there a little bit. And I will have a film room up Monday morning, kind of a little bit more on his on his game, where we'll get into some of, some of that. But here's the stat I wanted to talk about here. Um, Demetrius Robertson, uh, in his career, his his career to this point in college football, uh, he has had uh, 99 catches for 1,280 yards and 10 touchdowns. At Georgia alone, he had 42 touchdowns. That would be amazing. That would be pretty cool. He had 42 catches for 443 yards and three touchdowns. All right, so that's just Georgia numbers there for him. Um, Panther, we're gonna play a quick little game. I want you to guess how many catches Auburn's receivers on the 2020 roster, 2021 roster have combined. Demetrius Robertson, as you said, has 99 in his career, 42 for coming from Georgia alone. Between, and here are the, here are the guys, between Shedrick Jackson, Kobe Hudson, Xavion Capers, Elijah Canyon, Javarius Johnson, Malcolm Johnson Jr., uh, Kalen Newton, J.J. Evans, and now Tavarsh Dawson, who obviously is a newcomer. In, I'm going to say less than 25. 27. Oh, 27 for 350, 357 yards and two touchdowns, which means that Demetrius Robertson is about four times the amount of production in his in his college career. Again, with only one year where he was really a star and then another year where he was a really good third receiver for Georgia, he's, he's got about four times as much production, uh, if not a little more in some areas, than Auburn's receiving group has as a whole okay this whole offseason has been the talk of if they could find a wide receiver with some experience they need to go get him right uh mike woods from arkansas was a big one early on that people were talking about they tried to you know connect him with certain guys there was you know kaylin geiger coming out of troy okay there was an easy connection there but kaylin geiger wanted to go back home to texas he's at texas tech now right there were rumors that there were going to be other guys who will enter the portal that auburn was going to go after those fell through from everything that I've been able to surmise. However, Demetrius Robertson enters the portal. He's going to get another chance. And Auburn looks at him and says, well, you might not have been the star yet. You might not have been the stud everybody expected you to be at Georgia, but you've got a ton more production than what we've got right now, and this group needs a leader. Because I think, Painter, you and I are on the same page. This wide receiver group at Auburn has got talent. All right, they've recruited. Most of these guys are four-star guys. They've recruited at a pretty high level. You know, it's not Alabama or LSU or Clemson wide receiver level, but Auburn. We talked about it a few weeks ago. The history at the wide receiver position at Auburn is not great, bone dry. But I think they've recruited really well. It's just there's there's a lot of youth. You can see where a guy like Xavion Capers or Elijah Canyon or Javarius Johnson or Kobe Hudson, those guys could be good, but in 2021. One of those dudes is going to have to be the number one guy, be somebody you have to rely on right away. Right now, Demetrius Robertson can come in and say, all right, I can be a leader. I can be a guy that you can rely on because he has done it before the SEC level. Again, not superstar numbers, but a lot better than you have coming back because just because all these guys are really, really young. I wonder how similar the scheme will be given that, you know, Georgia has in the past. I don't know, right? Didn't... What what is it's not Mel Tucker? What is the name of their their OC? Because he didn't he bring them into more twenty uh, first century offense in the last year or two? What's the name of the, the? He's relatively new. I think he's going into like his second season as the Georgia offensive coordinator. Todd Monken. That's right. That's right. For a long guy. time they had been 
that's stuck to the pro style, right? Sort mm-hmm. of emulating the earlier Nick Saban. And they're, and they're still pro style-ish, but they are opening that offense up more. It's not three yards in a cloud of dust, you know, that, that type of offense. But I say all that to say I wonder how quickly he'll be able to transition into whatever offense Auburn has. And, like, I, I don't expect it to be a big problem for a guy who spent, what, this will be his fifth year in, in college football. Like I'd this like to will think be he'll his be able year. six year. Okay, this that's right. The COVID because he got a because he got a free COVID year. Yeah, and he had a medical redshirt at, at one point. So yeah, we we have high hopes here. What do we think? So again, I we'll have a film room up on Monday where I'll try to go into a little bit more. There are a few things about his game though that I think really really fit what Auburn's trying to build. Um, you watch him on film. It's like this is not a guy that's necessarily gonna make crazy catches left and right. But he's got a couple of he's got a knack for getting open and like finding space in defenses and really attacking it that I that I really like. There's one particular area of his game that I really think is gonna gonna shine, and you'll have to read the the um, newsletter tomorrow, the film room to, to to check that out. Good hands, he was pretty reliable hands last year. There's a there's one stat that I thought was really cool for him when you look at kind of how he is his depth. When he was at Cal, they were uh, he was a deep ball threat, speed. I mean, it's all speed with him. And um, was really good at just burning defenses. Since his injury, he hasn't been quite the deep ball receiver that he was at Cal. But this is also a guy that they've used, Georgia used to run the ball. Uh, A lot of screen work with him. He does a good job, I think, of accelerating quickly. Even though he might not be Anthony Schwartz type of speed. I think when he gets, he he can attack pretty quickly. Um, He gets his feet moving really well. You know, I think there's, I think there's, a, there's definitely a role for him. I'm curious to see where they use him primarily if they move him around and use it. But that Boise State offense uses receivers like this, right? They, they um, and Mike Bobo, obviously uh, at Georgia as well, got a history of using these type of receivers to um, do a variety of things. Whether it's running the ball, whether it's catching things short, whether it's doing some screens, some short stuff, or attacking further deeper down the field. And I think. I mean, he's got the experience. He knows what it's like to run this type of offense because he's done it at Georgia. Cal, it was, yeah, it was the Bear Raid. It was very unique um, and, and very uh, more modern-ish, I guess you you could say. But, um, yeah, I think I think more than anything else, Auburn's got a leader at the wide receiver position now. They've got somebody who's going to come in. He's been through a lot. He's been through a lot uh, in his college career. And it's like... Tony Fair, and it's like um, Binarius Knighton. It's another one of these guys on this team where it's, you know, this is his last chance to prove that he can belong in the the NFL. And for guys like Fair and Knighton, it was take a step up in classification, you know, and to, to put that out on film. Hey, I can do this at a higher level. This is why I should be a pro. For Demetrius Robertson is... I can do this at a high level. I know that, but it's just the team I'm in right now. They keep loading up and like, you know, he's just kind of getting bad. People at Georgia want to see new. They want to see now. They want to see, I mean, they, they, they're tired of seeing Georgia kind of be middle tier at best on the offensive side of the ball. They've got young pieces and young weapons that'll make them step up. Now I do find it interesting because I'm guessing George Pickens is not going to be playing most of this I mean, year. He's, he's with what an ACL tear, right? It seems highly unlikely. What Demetrius Robertson would have been like if he'd have stayed at Georgia, but now I think the thing here is is that he has a chance to be a clear cut number one for Auburn, just because he's got that experience. 
Um, and, and I think you look at Auburn's roster, their depth chart at wide receiver, and I talked about this in the mailbag a little bit. Xavion Capers, Elijah Canyon, you can see how they are kind of the bigger, faster, split-in type of receivers. Um, you know, Javarius Johnson having a great spring in the slot. you got Shedrick Jackson who can move around. You've got a, a, a bunch of other guys who can do a variety of things for you. But I think that outside, that flanker position, a little smaller outside receiver, I think it really fits Robertson. And I even think when you go back to his time at Georgia, he played primarily in the slot at Georgia, but the times he got to line up on the outside, he was pretty effective. Um, so I, I'm curious to see if that's where they end up putting him because, you know, you can see a combination of, if he gets healthy, Xavion Capers, you know, Xavion uh, Capers and Elijah Canyon on the outside using Robertson as a, as a reliable player early on, moving him around. Some people have kind of compared him to like an Eli Stove type, which – I can see that. I can see that, that that similarity there, especially with this running versatility. But, like, think about it this way, Painter. If Eli, if Eli Stove came back for his super senior season at Auburn instead of going pro, you know, I think every Auburn fan in the world would have taken that. Um, a, a guy like him. Just because just you know you have a, a, a productive veteran on, on your roster. So, I think that's kind of the role. But, like, I think upside-wise he can be – you know, kind of like a Ricardo Lewis type or somebody like that or can can do some damage on the outside for you. Um, you know, maybe not a Ryan Davis in terms of, like, catching a ton of screens and, and stuff like that because I don't think that's what this offense is going to look like. But I think he can be an outside receiver that can still get open and, and make, some, make some things happen just because he's been through the fire over and over and over and over again, at, even at the SEC level. It's just a lot of not a lot of these dudes at, at, at wideout have, have been through that yet. Come on, help us out. It's the thing we need. Lord knows we need some more help for our guy, Bonix. What was up with – I saw something. I don't know if they're reputable, but this is what the internet is for. Okay. Some organization or newsletter had Auburn with the best offensive line in the conference. Now, yeah. are they just basing this solely on experience? What are we doing here? Okay, so – Because I don't, you know, I don't want to was... dog the boys, but I don't think so. That was in the Valley Shook, which is the LSU blog for SB Nation. And it was like, okay, they return everybody, and if you look at their numbers, their sack rate wasn't bad last season, and they had some decent run blocking metrics. And it's like, yeah, if you want to put that all together and look at that, it's like, sure, stats will tell you that, but, like, turn on the film. Why was Auburn's sack rate not as high as other teams were last season in the SEC painter? Why? Why Why does an offensive line why, – why did Auburn's offensive line not give up a ton of sacks last season? I don't know. You don't know? Mm-mm. Well, from my perspective and remember what I remember seeing last season, a lot of it is because the fact that Bo Nix just gets out of trouble a lot, right? Sometimes, sometimes, a little too early, right? <laughs> so he's not a guy you sack a lot because he scrambles a lot. Right, it's not like you've got a statue in the pocket. He's going to be able to move, move around. Um, so you go to our, our friends over at SEC uh, Statcat. You know, Auburn middle of the road in the SEC last season in sack rate two point eight two percent, not bad. But they had the fourth highest amount of pressure allowed last season, and the gap is because well, Bonix gets out of danger. That's what he does. Run blocking, they're all right. That's right, folks. You heard it here first. Bo's doing it all. 
And I think one of the things is that, you know, some people will point to that offensive line number or th- th- those offensive line stats about, okay, well, if they were, they were average last season in these couple of metrics and they're bringing everybody back, it's like, okay, well, they should be – I mean, there's a lot of offensive line talent that's been lost in the SEC this past season. They should be able to be one of the best. I can see that if you're going off of that, but it's like the film tells a different story about this offensive line because they struggled, especially in certain games, to get anything going on offense because they just couldn't block. They couldn't. They couldn't stop the the. They couldn't stop the pass rush from getting after Bo, and like it just changed everything on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think this offensive line could definitely be better. But then the other thing to keep in mind is something that I've been, you know, obviously banging the drum for now for six months is. Auburn's offensive line, among teams that are recruiting in the blue chip ratio, have the least amount of blue chips of any of those those championship caliber teams. And it's not to say that three stars can't become really good offensive linemen. The NFL is filled with elite offensive linemen who were not big time prospects as, as high schoolers, right? But in the SEC, and if you and if you're facing the schedule that you that you face at Auburn year in and year out, and you're trying to compete for a championship. You've got to have it because you know who has it? Alabama, Georgia. Half the teams you LSU. play. Right. So, yeah, that's the thing. It's like we've talked about it before. There might be a ceiling that this offensive line can hit because, like, talent, you know, you can develop, you can scheme, you can do like these things. But, like, how good can your offensive line really be if it's not made up of a lot of really good parts in terms of recruits? And it's not a perfect thing. Uh, offensive line is – the toughest position to evaluate it because a lot of times really good offensive linemen in high school are just bigger and stronger than everybody else. And they just bully everybody. I, I get all that, but I think it's very telling that Auburn is Auburn's offensive line has been an issue for the last several seasons, really since the 17 season. And you can point back to the fact that recruiting wise, they weren't at that level. So yeah, I mean, they're returning more experience than Alabama does on the offensive line, but you know what Alabama's got? A bunch of dudes that keep going to the NFL. Yeah, they're yeah they're four and five stars on the offensive line. So. I mean, it's like I'm not ever worried about Alabama's inexperience. It, the only time that might matter is when they find themselves in close right. games, which is like once, maybe twice a season. Right, and, and it's like, uh, you know, those stats, I think those stats paint a better picture of Auburn's offensive line than they are, but if you're going off of those stats, I can see it, like, Look, these dudes who wrote, whoever wrote this story is an LSU fan, and an LSU they they, they have watch, no incentive. They didn't watch every yeah. game of they, Auburn. A, they last have season. no incentive to like blow up Auburn's O line, and, and they, like you said, they probably didn't watch a whole lot of it. The one time they did watch Auburn actually looked pretty good. Yeah, and LSU's and LSU just didn't really have anything going on. The, on I mean, Auburn cruised in that game, right? Bo Nix wasn't under just terrible pressure. All uh, th- that entire game, so I, I kind of get where that is, but yeah, it was one of those things where it was just like, huh, like where where did that where did that come from? It's it like, would be amazing if they were a top three line in the conference. Yes, it would you, be. It would, mean, I, if you get something out of like your your new transfer, and one or two of those guys steps up in a big way into their new role, say Johnson or Canyon, and then the offensive line turns out to, even just being a top half of the league. Blocking, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess that puts you in the range to get back to eight and four. Yeah, yeah. Overachieve a little bit compared to where SP Plus has them. Right, and I think that's the thing is like if you're looking for this offensive team to to get better this season, it's like yeah, this offensive line could get better. But then what happens next season? Because you'll be back 
to start so you, over for a lot of those guys. I you're mean, still not going to have a bunch of four and five stars on that line. No. So, yeah, it's it's a process. It's going to be a process. And he'll get some, you know, we've talked about this, Carson will get a little bit of a mulligan in year one. I mm-hmm. mean, if things just don't completely go off the rails. But year two, the sympathy will be gone. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. And you know, I think you've pointed out, and it makes the most sense. That, like year three, really seems. I think to be year three is when you where could you really might be able to compete for the West, given a couple of recruiting yeah. cycles, the way the schedule lines up. But I still think Auburn fans, are, like in year two, I don't think it's unrealistic to expect Auburn fans. You're going to want them to be to better. Want nine or ten wins. I don't know if that's going to yeah. happen, but I think it's going to be yeah. a desire of a lot of the fan base. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you win seven or eight this year, a logical thing will be well, maybe they can win nine or ten in year two. Right. Yeah. I just, until further notice, I don't know if you ever need to expect 10 wins in a season for Auburn. Like, it's just because Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Texas A&M are recruiting better than you. And so that means you're going to have to beat at least one of them. And you can, but you're going to have to beat at least one of them and then, or I'm sorry, you have to beat at least two of them in that scenario and then not screw up with anybody else. And that's like, that's a tougher, that's a tougher sell to have, right? Um, But we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a really odd thing. All right, we're talking about the line of scrimmage. Let's talk about somebody who plays kind of on the line of scrimmage, and that's Micah Riley-Ducker. Last podcast we did, we kind of you know pointed to the fact that this guy was you know possibly coming to Auburn. He is coming to Auburn. And last Thursday, did a breakdown of him at the Observer. Um, Bringing it down. I really like this guy. I really like his game. Um, his film is is like his film is the reason why I think you can look at him and be like, oh, that's why they went and got him. Because he's from Nebraska. Auburn has only ever signed one other, uh, 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 sorry, they've only had one other letterman ever Weird from Nebraska. And he played at the same high school as he, as he did. Um, at, uh, at Bellevue West and in, uh, in right, side of, right outside of Omaha, Steve Brown played Shout from 87 to 89 Buffett. at linebacker. What's that? Shout out to Warren Buffett. Um, but it's like, <laughs> Auburn's trying to recruit nationally, and like, it's not like Nebraska is a stomping ground that they had in recruiting when those guys were at Boise State, right? It's not like a Harson and those guys. The pipeline were, of Nebraska. Yeah, Brad Bedell was not like hammering away at, at Nebraska when he was, you know, at Boise State. I think it's because they watched this dude on film and they saw, you know, and evaluate him and said, okay, well, this guy checks a lot of boxes for us. He's six six, two thirty five. He's a Three-star that is about as close to being a four-star as you can be. He's only 11 spots back from being a composite four-star. Rivals uh, has a, already has a four-star. Um, but, like, the most impressive part of me on his film is the way he blocks. Like, his highlight films on aggressive. Huddle, it, it's just An him. Aggressive just, boy. Yeah, he's just throwing people out of the club. Like, he, he, he wants to put people in the dirt. He's very, very physical. Uh, he's very physical as a guy with the ball in his hands as well. Um, he is kind of, you know, I think there's a, you know, some people may get this reference. Some people may not, but I'll try to explain it. So like on Madden, you know, they have like, uh, they have like in the new ones, they have like the, the special skill sets for certain players and one of them for the tight ends. Cause I know, um, Darren Waller's got it. The, the four, uh, I think George Kittle may have it as well. Um, that guy's real crazy. Right. Uh, is one of their things is like those guys fight for every single yard. Like when they catch the ball, they are going to scrape and claw and reach. And like, they're really good at yak yards and they're really good at going the extra mile to try to 
maximize a play. You watch him on film, he's not overly fast for his size. He doesn't have phenomenal hands or phenomenal route running for his size. He looks like a just a really good tight end. You watch him when he gets the ball in his hands. He will try everything in the world to make sure you don't tackle him. <laughs> whether it's a stiff arm, whether it's lowering his shoulder, whether it's side. I mean, he's got he's got some nimble feet for a dude who's six six. I wonder if he giggles like George Kittle does when he pancakes people. Um, he he's got he's got he's got a little he's got a little mix of moves. There's this one play in that in that um, in that film room if you in that breakdown if you haven't seen it yet. He takes a little dump off pass. He catches it. He sidesteps a defender. He lowers his shoulder into another one. A second guy comes and grabs him, and then he just like squirms out of it and puts the ball across, and he goes into the end zone. So it looks like it was just going to be a nothing little play. Nope, it's a touchdown. He is the type of tight end that I think Auburn really, really wants because he is going to not only be effective catching the ball, but he's going to be effective as a blocker, and they are going to use those guys to block. They're Luke Deal was playing fullback this spring. Like they are going to use those guys in those uh, in those ways, and. You know, this might be oversimplifying it for me, but I feel like a lot of times when you watch tight ends in high school on film, a lot of a lot of times they're just big receivers. This guy, like half of his film is him blocking people and like putting his hand in the dirt and doing some of the stuff that we're going to see in this more pro style attack from Auburn's offense, and that is pretty significant to me because, you know. Not every guy who's listed as a really good tight end is going to be able to do all this stuff that Auburn wants him to do on this in this type of offense, right? You can't just be a – and, again, this dude's really, really good. These next two guys I'm going to say are really, really good and some of the best to do it at, at both levels in recent years. But, like, Travis Kelsey – there's a difference between Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, right? There's a difference between um, Kyle Pitts and George Kittle. There's a, there's a difference between those kind of players – Kittle, coming from Iowa, a place that uses fullbacks and tight ends and pro-style personnel, like you said, Painter, that video of him just giggling when he is just knocking people into the in, into the back of the end zone. That's the type of, of tight end Auburn wants. And it's telling because who did Auburn get Micah Riley Ducker over? Iowa and Iowa State. Yeah, and Illinois because Burt has, has a, big has a history at the, of playing with tight ends. I guess he did have a good tight end while he was at Arkansas. And t- he had really good tight ends at Arkansas. Um, and then you've got Iowa State, who is using their tight ends really, really well. Uh, Charlie Kohler, I believe, is his name. One of the better tight ends in America come out this year. They've got two guys already committed at the tight end position for 2022. Iowa, man, if you go to Iowa and play tight end, you're going to be really good. Right, they had Kittle, they had T.J. Hawkinson, they had Noah Fant. They had position to be a specialist at. Like we've talked about, Auburn maybe being kicker. You some yeah. schools have a running back. You Auburn makes claim of mm-hmm. this. Uh, LSU, Florida, kind of the DBU, if you yep. will. Iowa, I was tied in tied in you, which is very specific. Mm-hmm. Because not every team still uses tight ends, and this is, these are tight ends. These are not big wide receivers. These are tight ends. And they've got a really good track record because they produce some of the best in the NFL. Like they just go to go to Iowa and they turn them into, you know, the NFL looks at Iowa and says that's a place where you're going to learn how to be a tight end. You're going to learn how to block. You're going to play play with your hand in the dirt. You're not just going to be a big wide receiver. Maybe Auburn can end up being something like that down the road, right? And it's kind of weird because for so long they just didn't really use them uh, that much at tight end. But, but, you know, they've got a lot of depth right now. 
And I look at a guy like Luke Deal, and I look at a guy like uh, Tyler Fromm, and I look at a guy like Landon King, and I especially look at a guy like Michael Riley Ducker, and I see all around types of tight ends that they that teams are going to want to have. And Auburn's going to want to have them because they're not just going to be receiving options and they're not just going to be blocking options. They're going to be both, both and. And so it was really easy to see why Auburn went after this dude because he looks like, I mean, fit is so important. It's every one of these guys they've gotten in this class so far and some of the transfers they've been able to pick up, you can look at and say, okay, this is where he fits in in this offense. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. He, he's a, And if Riley Decker has a good senior season, he could easily be a four-star. Because he's right there. I mean, he is right there on, on, on being that in the in the 247 composite. He's so, right I mean, there, folks. What's that? I said he's right there, folks. He's right there. Um, where is Where are the good guys in the rankings now? Let's see where. Uh, where have the good guys moved to? Can't, can't imagine it's too 71. High. Yeah. Moving on up, folks. Making, making some ground. Yeah, I mean, because you've only picked up three – High schoolers in the last week. One of them is an unrated kicker, even though he's the number one kicker in the country. For some reason, a lot of those recruiting sites are like, ah, kickers are other. Like they're, you know, it's hard to compare them to others. You know, how 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 highly rated should a kicker be compared to a defensive back? I don't know. But I know that Auburn's got the best one in high school football right now. Three star Caleb Wooden, three star Powell, Stinson a three star, Riley Ducker right on the cusp. Maybe he can work his way into the top 400 with a good season. We'd like that. And then sweet, sweet Holden, holding it down. Hey. Yeah, Holden Garner. And, of course, he went to he went to Elite 11 last week. Didn't win anything. Didn't Wasn't one of the final 11. Um, but from everything I read out, there's just solid performances. Uh, he was a guy that was, you know, I don't think a lot of people looked at him as a top 10 quarterback in this class, but I think he could submit himself as easily a top 15, top 20 guy. And I think that's what he showed out there. So we'll see how that how that continues to to go from there. You mentioned Caleb Wooden. Let's talk about Caleb Wooden real quick because I like this pickup. I like I like this one one a lot. Because um, here's a couple things that stand out to me about Caleb Wooden. Caleb Wooden, you may remember his brother because he is a young star for Auburn right now. Colby Wooden. Caleb Wooden is not a highly rated dude. 891st in the country, 57th at safety, 84th in the state of Georgia. Got an offer from Auburn here rather recently. He showed out at camp. Um, he His other uh, Power 5 offers were Duke, Georgia Tech, Louisville, and West Virginia. Uh, also, Southern uh, Appalachian State and USF also offered him. For Derek Mason, who is his recruiter, for Derek Mason to take a guy this early in the cycle who is a lower-rated recruit, Think that says a lot, and we talked about this with Holden Garner as well. They saw something in him, and then he ended up blowing up. I don't know how far up Caleb Wooden can can improve his. You know, I don't think I see him jumping all the way up to being a four star. But look, he's six two. He camped really, really well. His older brother's on the team, and they kind of look at him as a, as a diamond rough. I call me crazy, Painter, but I'm going to trust Derek Mason's evaluation at safety. I, I I think that's a good. I think that's a good thing there, and and. They got the benefit of the doubt. This last half got the benefit of the doubt. When they took a guy like Roger McCreary or Daniel Thomas or Jordan Peters or uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, it's that, oh, well, they see something. That's going to that's gonna work out. This might be one of your first early examples of, of that. We talked about that a little bit with guys like Jarrell Stinson, guys like Powell. Caleb Wooden, big safety, physical, 
can move around. They need they need safety so much. Remember how remember how big of an issue safety has been this you know this off season that they had to go get Knighton and they had to go get a guy like uh, a Donovan Kaufman. So it's a position to need. It's a big guy, physical guy. They feel like they feel like the evaluation's good. And I think the thing with him though is is that. You know what he, you're getting in him as terms of what kind of program he's coming from, what kind of family he's coming from, because uh, his older brother did a heck of a job last season breaking out and becoming a star to the point where people think he he could end up being a really good NFL type of player down the line for Auburn. Please do it. Become an NFL player. We need more of those. Yeah, so I, I think you can't. I think you can't fault Auburn too much for taking a guy like this because apparently there's something that that Derek Mason and Zach Etheridge saw in this guy and said, we need to go ahead and get him and we're fine giving him a spot. Because the other thing here was is this 2022 class, the spots are not going to be super, super plentiful because they've they've gotten some of these transfers to, they're going to be counting it towards that point. So I wonder if the Auburn fan base is feeling more at ease now or if there's more complaining going on because they've picked up some commitments. Right. But outside of Demetrius, most of them are what we've discussed. Three stars, or in the case of McPherson, unrated. So has there been an easing of the concern? Or are Auburn fans just on board that this is not going to be a knock-em-out recruiting cycle for, for your boy Brian Harson, given some of the limitations we've already discussed? I think fans are excited to see some momentum. I think this isn't the end. Uh, you talk about four stars. There are four-star running backs out there on the board that Auburn could go out and get, uh, including one that a lot of people think is kind of an Auburn lean later this month. You've got Pop Story, uh, Caden Story out at Lynette, committing in, in on August 1st. A lot of people think that's going to be When Auburn a- starts 5-0, and like I've already said, there will be flips. <laughs> Auburn will get all the momentum then. Yeah, I mean, so it, they're going to have a chance, like – People are sitting there and saying. Some people are sitting there and saying, "Well, they're not. None of these kids are four stars or five stars. So, like, uh, what big deal? Who cares?" I think getting momentum is is good. I think when the case of Riley Ducker, you're on the verge of him being a four star. You like the fit there. I think Wooden is a guy that is a position fills a need. The family tie is always good. The program he comes from is really good. You take that, and then I don't know, man. You need a kicker. Alex McPherson's the best one in the country. And you were able to land him, which is good because, as we talked about the other week, week painter, um, I don't think in our lifetimes they've had a bad kicker. You know, you can go back and forth on how you feel about John Vaughn, but like, you know, even then he was a really good kicker outside of the one really bad game that he had that everybody will remember forever for him, which kind of sucks because he had some good moments as a Tiger. So I, I think they're going to be fine. I don't think this is going to be a great recruiting class that everyone's going to be like, oh, wow. Like, some people are going to look at it by the end. It's like, well, why do we get rid of Gus? If this... Again, it's going to be like, this is a process. Same process. This is a recruiting class where the staff did not get to jump in immediately and say, you know, well, here's who we are. Here's what this is. This is what Auburn football is going to look like. So get, get on board. But they're trying to make those runs in at 2023, which I think is pretty important. But, I mean, people may point out, oh, Tennessee's got double-digit commitments. Vanderbilt's got double-digit commitments. South Carolina's got double-digit commitments. Auburn's average rating is better than all those teams right now. So they're not just getting dudes for the sake of getting dudes. Get some numbers, you know, once they beef up those numbers. 
Maybe we'll uh, scoot on up there. Got to yeah. like to be in the top twenty. We'll see if that happens. Don't know if I think they're going to do it. I think there's look, man. Like that that class last year was in dire straits and it finished in the top twenty. Now it helped that it helped that Dylan Brooks did not stay at at Tennessee and is coming to Auburn. But yeah, I mean, I think I, again, like we said last week, no reason to panic. And I think now you've got a little bit of momentum going and. Who knows? Maybe this is going to be a time they get on a, on a run here, start picking up some of these bigger name prospects, and building a class that can end up being one of the better ones um, in the SEC and one of the better ones in the country by the end. Are you going to catch Alabama and Georgia and Florida? Maybe never. Yeah, Alabama and Georgia, maybe never. Uh, LSU, A&M, those – no, probably not. Um, but are you filling your needs and, and getting the guys that you want in the system with, with the fit? I think I think they're getting to, the, so to that point. Texas A&M has oil money. Yes. Alabama has national championships and, and the greatest the coach who's ever lived or whatever. Right. Uh, Georgia, I guess they've got like that accounting money or something from Atlanta. Where does LSU get its money? Like gumbo and and good food. Everybody in the state of Louisiana loving. I mean, it's your a, program. George, I would say Georgia and LSU are kind of like in the same boat. Is like the entire state is geared towards them, right? Mm. If you're a college football fan in the state of Georgia, you're more than likely a Georgia fan. There are some Tech fans, but like you it's – You probably it's, went to Tech. Right, yeah. There's a d- different connection there. I mean, it's, it's much, much smaller than even like the Auburn-Alabama split in Alabama, obviously. Um, LSU's the same way. And LSU – there is no LSU – there's no Tech in LSU, you know, in Louisiana to compete with. You don't even have – the second biggest program in the state of Louisiana is Louisiana Tech, all right? And they are a Conference USA team. And so I think that's part of it. Arkansas the same way. Arkansas's got Arkansas's got a whole state going after it, and also they've got several of the richest people in America. Uh, Pretty back wild. Above. They honestly should be better. But that's their history, though, man. Like they've never been that. And good. I guess it doesn't help that their state talent is just yeah. not a whole lot of awesome players come out of Arkansas regularly, and if they are probably going to texas or lsu yeah they're doing the like in basketball they're going to do the malik monk and end up going to kentucky anyway um speaking of louisiana tech have you seen this is completely random completely off the wall here have you seen uh kenneth lofton jr so the u19 u19 fiba u19 or u18 world cup was this these last couple weeks the u.s just beat france there is a French prospect. Wow, he is a thick boy. Yeah, he plays Louisiana Tech. His name is Kenneth Lofton Jr. He's not Kenny Lofton Jr. because he's not that Kenny Lofton's son, which is very <laughs> disappointing because I would have loved if former base-stealing extraordinaire <laughs> Kenny Lofton had a just gigantic son. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the United States uh, taking taking the uh, the U18. I think it's U18. Let me look that FIBA up. FIBA U19, U19 World Championship. Couple of NBA lottery picks. There will be plenty of basketball in his future, according to Sporting News. But there aren't many six foot seven, two hundred seventy five pound forwards. When this has boy. nothing to do with Auburn basketball, but I do want to mention the future of basketball is about to be fascinating. I guess I can tie it into Auburn here a little bit. Jabari Smith, as we've said before on this podcast. I don't think there's ever been a dude like Jabari Smith to ever play at Auburn, right? 6'10", shooter, scoring machine, just kind of that mold. People will want to compare him to Kevin Durant. I do not think he is like Kevin Durant, but he is still a freak type of talent, right? Walker Kessler, 
When's the last time, if ever, Auburn's had a seven footer that is ab- uh, that is offensively as skilled as Kessler is? I don't think they have had one. Okay, you've had a few seven footers. We're seeing this right now, and it's like people want to make the Jordan LeBron debate. There's a chance that down the road we have a kid because just because of just how basketball is at this point that is going to blow. You know, it could end up being the best best of all time. That might blow those guys out of the water. I say that to say this. The U19 World Cup uh, title for the U.S. Uh, was big for uh, Chet Holmgren. Yeah, man, I'm looking at pictures of him. They've got to feed him. Chet Holmgren going to Gonzaga, number one player in the country, gigantic human being. Seven foot, 190 pounds. <laughs> Seven foot, 190 pounds. He had a good game. But there, he started, more people started listening to, uh, or uh, figuring out this guy. This week, and he shined at the United uh, Unite World Cup. Victor Webanyama is French. He is 7'2", 209 pounds. A lot of people already look at him as the top prospect in an upcoming draft. He's 7'2", 209, elite defender, unreal skill on offense. Just a two-way nightmare you watch the film of this guy, and it's like he—he's like everybody's like create a player on 2K come to life. He's gigantic and can shoot, and he can block, and he can do all that stuff. The crazy thing about Webanyama is this: he is 17 years old. He's a high school junior age. He's already playing professional basketball. He signed his first professional contract when he was 15, and has level been playing up, pro ball. Man, level up. If we're getting seven two dudes who have who who are capable of scoring 30, 40 points a game. Yeah, when Dirk was the unicorn, now it's the standard baby. Right. Right. We have seen, you know, Nikola Jokic, who plays like he plays in flip flops and he's amazing. Um, but Joel Embiid, like these really skilled seven footers now and these really tall players. Ben Kevin Durant. Simmons. <laughs> ben, ben Simmons. <laughs> Kevin Durant. Like, think about Kevin Durant a little bit. If Kevin I guess Dur- the greatest scorer of this generation. Yeah. I mean, I know you can Might be the it. most naturally skilled scorer ever. Right, in terms of, right. like, okay, yes, I understand Jordan will have numbers that you will never be able to really kind of compare to, but, like, Kevin Durant can do anything. There is no with, shot really score. on the court that I would be like, don't take that. Right. Like, if he wants to pull up from just inside half court, I'd be like, that's fine. But if Kevin, Durant, if Kevin Durant was born 20 years earlier... He'd just play with his back to the basket. And right. Given that he's also like 190 pounds, I don't know how well it would work. And now we're getting to the point where now it's like, oh, when this generation, it's no fours and fives, six foot guys like Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler size. Not only can they be, you know, they can be, they can be scores. They can be shooters. They can be face up offensive weapons. You can run your offenses through them. That that. We're getting that. I think the next step in the next generation of these guys, which is going to be wild to watch, is now you're going to get seven one seven two guys who are like, oh, yeah, you want them to dribble? They can do that too. Like JT Thor. We've said that before. What would have happened to – what if JT Thor, and no disrespect to – but what if JT Thor would have played for Auburn in the 90s or the 80s? It would look completely different. Probably wouldn't have known that he was a he very good dribbler. He towers over Charles Barkley, one of the best rebounders and inside scorers of his generation. Right? And so it's like – I'm so mesmerized by what the future of basketball is going to look like. And I think Auburn fans, you're going to start seeing a little bit of it this year when you're going to see two incredibly gifted big men on offense going to work. You just saw Thor do it. And again, 
A guy like Jalen, like look at Jalen Williams, man. Jalen Williams played point guard sometimes for his high school team. He's 6'8". Like, this is the future and the evolution of basketball, and you go watch stuff like the U19 uh, World Cup, and you see see the future. These these guys at Auburn's trying to get into the neighborhood of recruiting. It's pretty wild to see. Shout out to scoring leader of the Dream Team, Charles Barkley, and also taking this back to Georgia and Georgia Tech, shout out mm-hmm. to Tech, who has – more national titles claimed, anyway, than UGA, and certainly a more recent one, which we yes. love. Yes, it is. 1990 for you, uh, you engineers. All right, do you think Georgia will ever win one under Kirby? Yes, yes. Do you Too think much it's going to happen? I mean, it might be when Nick Saban retires, and it's unfortunate that not only has Saban re-upped that Okay, here's the question. It seems does like he'll does die Georgia... in office. Here's your question, and uh, we've had a lot Can of people tweeting at us. Saban is here. We, we've had a lot of people tweeting at us whenever we ask questions. We talked about summer cities in the last podcast. A lot of you shouting out your your, your summer cities. A lot of learned that Utah was it Utah that we were mm-hmm. told not actually it gets real hot there. Yeah, well, it is kind of desert in, in some spots. Um, so here's the one. Here's the one we're just going to ask you. Tweet us with your opinion if you have an idea. At me at Painter. Um, it would be embarrassing if he can't do it. Does Georgia win a national championship under Kirby Smart? Okay. If so, does it happen when Nick Saban's still the head coach at Alabama? That's my question to you. Because I don't know. 2021 odds have Alabama at minus 125, Georgia at plus 250. If JT Daniels, if JT Daniels is as good as people think he might be, I mean, their roster's on par. With they don't. Alabama's. They don't have like where is where where is their weakness? Where's their weakness at? I certainly don't know. Right. But if it doesn't happen, I'm not saying it's national title or bust because I don't think anybody should live that way. Auburn at plus two thousand. How are we feeling about that? I wouldn't put money on that. No, I wouldn't either. Is LSU going to win more than eight games this year? I'd love to see what their over unders like. I'd love to see what their over-unders like. All right, well, uh, before we get done and get out of here, appreciate everybody listening. Painter, tell the folks at home how they can continue to support what we've got going on on this internet radio broadcast. Rate, review, subscribe. If you've already done it, tell the people you know and love or that you know and hate that they Mm -hmm. should be rating, reviewing, and subscribing to full support of peer pressure and bullying. So if you've done it, Make sure someone else does it too. Thank you for the support. Subscribe. Mash the subscribe button. Hey, why don't you also become a subscriber to the newsletter and give us some of your coin, all right? How about that? How about that, folks? Three or four times a week you're going to get newsletters about Auburn football and men's basketball. Uh, I have a mailbag out this week looking to have the film room on Demetrius Robertson up on Monday. We'll post another one sometime on Wednesday and mailbag on Friday. I'm going to go on vacation before SEC Media Days a little bit. Going to get a couple of – we'll we'll have a couple things out. I'm I'm not going to leave it just – Completely dry, Baron. No, yeah, you, guys, not, you guys are putting given the coin. We'll put something out. We'll for put you. we'll we'll put some things out and kind of hit full speed because after SEC media days, man, we are we're in season mode, tip of the tongue, and we are locked in all the way till next the end of next basketball season. I think I I mean, it's go a, mode all a, the way till till the end. A tweet that said ten weekends, ten ten more weekends until kickoff. So yeah. that's uh, no less than that. Oh, is it less than that? Wow, I can't do. We are more. we are less than eight weeks away. Oh my god. Yeah. How about it? Yeah, so we are we are getting on the doorstep here, um, but as Painter said, rating, reviewing, and subscribing means a lot to us. Uh, it helps us out a ton. 
We've got a we've got a uh, got a new review to read oh, here. Yes. Remember, if you give us a five star review, say a nice thing about Painter, we'll read it on the podcast because we're vain. But no, we we really want to encourage you guys to do it because it helps us a lot. It really does help us a lot. Uh, it helps give us, us that algorithm bump, baby. Yeah, we need that algorithm bump. Uh, this one is from Stay Crofty. Stay Crofty says, title of the title of the five star review here is Painter is the goat emoji. <laughs> a couple of lads cutting it up. Seriously, best Auburn pot out, no question. Appreciate you, Stay Crofty. Uh, we like that. We like to, we, we like to hear that. Um, I wanted to mention also before we before we go, and we, we'll we'll have a couple of things here to wrap up. Want to shout out uh, our friends over at the War Report. Uh, they are doing uh, videos every couple of weeks on some stats that you may have seen in the Observer before, and kind of breaking down deeper discussion. They've got one coming out this week on tight end. Some of the stuff we talked about here in this podcast. So. A lot of good uh, talk coming from Mike and those guys over there. So check them out on YouTube at The War Report. Uh, subscribe to what they've got going on for sure. Um, Painter said the podcast. We're going to try. We're going to try. We're going to try to have an interview or two coming yeah, out here. That, that'll be happening here in the near. In the near future. Um, for those of you who listen on the free feed, um, I will, uh, I'll be back at some point. Um, for those of you who are subscribers, uh, premium podcast since we're getting this out this one a little bit later this uh this week premium podcast we'll put it out on thursday morning this week so look for that out on thursday morning as always mailbag on friday um send in your questions there try to have the film room and then maybe a basketball around in midweek uh trying to keep it a little bit lighter this week but still hitting the still hitting the three to four uh, newsletters as uh, i'm gearing up to go on a little family vacation before SEC Media Days. Hanging out with Gus. <laughs> yeah. Heading on down heading on down to heading on down to see Gus. No, uh uh but um I think there was another thing I wanted to mention here, but I can't remember it right now. Is there anything else important? Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out we're trying to figure out YouTube. Putting podcasts yeah, on YouTube. They've made that surprisingly difficult if you're not just uploading it. I, there's got to be a way to do it. We'll figure it but out. We're gonna try or, our goal is that by the time we start doing these fall camp podcasts, like once camp begins, we will we will try to have them on YouTube because I know there are a few of you out there who have asked for it on YouTube because that's how you listen to podcasts. I think that's how you listen to some podcasts. Some podcasts, to. yeah, especially while I was while I was working at the old network. While you had an office job. That's right. While you were the old nine to five. That's right. A grinder. A grinder. Bringing your briefcase in every morning to make the to make the radio. And my Lululemon pants. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's comfortable. Comfortable. We're working behind a microphone. You can't see me. Come on. Yeah, no one's. No one needs to be looking. Need at to us get anyway. those Cole Hans back from Birmingham. Been <laughs> up there for almost a year. All right, all right. So, um, as we said, po- uh, podcast on Thursday this week for those of you in the inner circle. Appreciate you guys subscribing. Six dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. You can get on board. You can get the film room. You can get the mailbag. You can get all the good stuff here. Because let me tell you, when we come back from SEC Media Days in a couple weeks, it is go time, like I said, all the way till whenever Auburn basketball season ends. Like, we are going to be in full full speed mode. So um, Can't wait to be back inside a stadium of the family. I, well, I it was is going to be I was very talking, fun. So the other night, me and Justin Lee were at a get-together um, honoring, uh, honoring Auburn Observer subscriber and uh, former – Auburn professor uh, John Carvalho shouts out uh, one of the people that we that we ran into while we were there was the man with the golden voice himself, Mr. Rick Smith. Oh, 
and uh, we were talking, Talk and to me, uh, Rick. and uh, he was saying something. He's like, "Man, can you imagine what it's going to be like that first game back? Akron like the, is going to have a tough time <laughs> playing one of the worst teams fun. in America. It's going to be very bad for but, them." But uh, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me mind me saying this. But uh, one of the things Rick said when we were talking, he was like. Uh, He's like, man, I bet people are going to try to start tailgating on Monday. Can you imagine just the anticipation for being there? I was thinking about that this weekend, about the the buildup um, that first week. Like, I get butterflies as if I have some mm-hmm. sort of contri- like you're about, contribution. Like you're, well, like you're about to run a slant. Uh, yeah, it is on, one of on my favorite things about Alabama Twitter. And this is sort of true of a lot of fan bases. But Alabama Twitter, from what I can surmise, a lot of the, their fans seem to think that they have personally done something that has brought success to the program like it doesn't have anything to do with you just having the best coach of all time in college football. But, yes, that week of is going to be insane. I will be curious when the first uh, motorcades or whatever those things are called. Are they called motorcades? Trailers? RVs. RVs, that's the word. Sometimes like the big games. like the president's coming to town. Oh boy, the politi- the politicians coming to watch Auburn Akron. They wanted to they wanted to see it. They they wanted to be there for it. Um, but yeah, and hopefully, well, if there's ice cream here, maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, and hopefully, if all things go as planned, by the time you make those tailgates, some of you may have your observer koozies, even though those got pushed back due to um, a little commodities little, are up, ladies and gentlemen. Folks, folks, I don't know if you know this, but things be hard to be, <laughs> things be hard to get these days. Wood, Will Ham. I know you guys must be thriving in the lumber industry. Well, somebody was saying uh, I was on a radio hit last week, and they were like, uh, you know, hey, the price of wood's going up. And it's like when you talk about like um, like uh, building supplies and all that. When you talk about Auburn making these plans to upgrade their facilities it's like man the prices are only going up and i was like yeah if only they knew somebody who was in the wood industry but mm. i mean just can't dropping can't. bags dropping retail uh all right that'll do it for this podcast shout out as always to you the loyal listeners in the inner circle those of you who aren't in the inner circle but just tune in on the weekend editions we appreciate you as well keep telling your friends and rate and review and subscribe. And uh, shout out to Jax for your giant uh, chicken sandwiches. Painter, any final thoughts? Shout out to the working conditions of this podcast. Oh.